welcome back to the Quiet Part Loud podcast. This is episode 149, and it should be 150, but uh, we recorded a show last week, and something happened with the audio where uh, after 17 minutes of an hour and a half show, the audio completely cut out. So the episode was uh, completely unusable. So we'll cover some of the stuff we were going to cover on that episode on this one as well. But then we're also going to look at some other things. Um, Before we get into what we're going to cover and get into the show, uh, I just wanted to say thank you again for everybody that's listening. Uh, The performance is great. Uh, Really happy with the way it's growing. And uh, if you want, if this is your first time and you want to follow us or see back episodes, you can follow us on YouTube. You can follow us on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple, you know, wherever podcasts are distributed, the show's there. Um, you can also follow us on social. So it's um, on Twitter or Facebook. And it's always at the quiet part loud um, or at quiet part loud. So uh, go ahead and give us a follow. Uh, that always helps with the algorithms and and, you know, all that good stuff. So there's the there's the salesy bit out of the way. Um, the episode today, we're going to be covering, as I said, a couple of bits that we were going to talk about on the last episode, but then we're going to cover some new bits as well. So what we're going to cover today is uh, Insulate Britain, which are a kind of radical um, eco-warrior group. And we're going to talk about some of the things that have been happening with them. We're going to talk about the Joe Rogan and Sanjay Gupta podcast that happened a couple of days ago, which everybody in media is talking about at the moment for, you know, various reasons, depending on which side of the aisle or the political spectrum they fall on. So we're going to cover that. We're also going to cover some of the follow up uh, around that show as well. Uh, Then we're going to talk about Kyrie Irving. If you don't know who Kyrie Irving is, he's an NBA player who has uh, refused to get the vaccine, even though it's been mandated uh, in order to participate in the season. So we're going to go through some of that, his comments and how we feel about, you know, what's happening in that situation. Uh, Then we're going to cover the Prince Andrew story, which many may have forgotten about. Uh, because it's not getting any coverage. And we're going to talk about the investigation that the Met Police were uh, doing, and I say were um, specifically. So we'll get into that as well. Uh, Then we're going to talk about the IRS in America and how they're planning to track payments. Uh, We're going to talk about Julian Assange. We're going to talk about William Shatner going into space. We're going to talk about uh, CBC, which is the Canadian Broadcast Corporation. And we're going to talk about some of the uh, other things that are happening in Canada around the pandemic. And uh, well, you'll just wait and see. Um, so with all that said, we've got an episode to make up. So let's dive right into it. Okay. So the first thing that we're going to talk about today is Insulate Britain. Now, for anybody outside of the UK who don't know who or what Insulate Britain are, let me summarize. Insulate Britain are a bunch of middle-aged white folks who are effectively campaigning to have proper insulation put into all the homes across Britain. And their reasoning behind this is because it is um, an, an immediate way to make a positive impact on climate change. And all of the consequences around climate change, they feel, and their cause is, insulate the houses, stop the CO2 emissions, cut greenhouse gases, that's a great way to get um, started. And it will also 
uh, curb the amount of people who are in fuel poverty, who die from, uh, I guess, exposure in the winter times because they can't afford heat and electricity and so on and so forth. Now, the underlying principles, I don't necessarily disagree with. However, this is a group of individuals, as I said, middle-aged white, and we'll get into some of the hypocrisy around this group in just a moment, but a bunch of middle-aged uh, white people or slightly older uh, who are blocking traffic. Their motive is to make the government stand up and take notice of them by blocking traffic. So what they'll do is they'll go to major interchanges across uh, well, it's generally London and the southeast uh, of London, where actually I reside. Um, what they'll do is they'll they'll get a group of 10 of them and they'll stand in the middle of traffic at an intersection, not allowing any cars or vehicles to to pass through. Now, what this is doing is causing major disruptions. We already have a supply chain problem, right, because of Brexit. This is exacerbating that problem to uh, a pretty severe degree. but. Aside from the business element of it, I want to talk about the humanity side of it, because these people are so selfish. And I get that you have to cause civil disobedience and disruption, and, and, and I get all of that. But when your efforts start to leak over and spill over into disrupting society, you're never going to get the results that you're after, because in order for the government to stand up and take notice, they need to they need to be made abundantly clear. It needs to be made abundantly clear to them that the masses are with this group. In order for any change to be considered or enacted, if there is a small minority of people that are doing it, very, very rarely will you see any material change occur. So what you would want to do as a protest group, as an activism group, is you would want to get people on side. Strength in numbers can influence the powerful, right? But when you are blocking traffic and moms are trying to get their kids to school or, you know, moms and dads are trying to get to work to feed their kids or you're blocking emergency services like ambulances and fire trucks and, you know, services that are required to keep us operating smoothly and safe. When you start to impede the function of society just to manifest some results for your own small niche concern or cause, it's never going to work. You need to side, you need people on your side and you need them in mass numbers because otherwise the government will just say, this is a bunch of crazy lunatics, which effectively they are. Um, let's ignore them. And if they continue to do it, then we'll start arresting them, which is what you're seeing now. So the police now have been mandated to start taking these uh, protesters away. And if they refuse to leave, then to arrest them. So... The hypocrisy here is that the co-founder and one of the lead spokespersons for Insulate Britain, when asked, is your house insulated? They said no. So they don't even take the action they're demanding the government takes 
and the rest of us take in order to, you know, in their words, solve this problem or at least begin to solve this problem. If you can't practice what you preach, why do you think anybody else is going to listen to you? And the spokesperson, again, I don't know who's running this organization. I don't know the inner kind of machinations of this, of this group, but their spokesperson is probably the worst spokesperson for any cause I've ever seen in my life. And I am not, I am not using hyperbole there or anything. This guy is a nightmare. If he was representing my brand or my business or anything like that, I would do everything I could to separate us by, you know, by oceans effectively. I would want nothing to do with this guy. And I would want this guy to have nothing to do with anything I'm trying to get accomplished because he has an immediate indignation about him whenever questioned about anything. So whenever he's put on the spot and asked again, you know, is your house insulated or, you know, don't you feel bad about disrupting people's lives and so on and so forth. He just gives the most ignorant obtuse answers that, you know, that you could imagine. And I just think to myself, if you're trying to ingratiate, are you trying to, I guess the question is, are you trying to actually ingratiate yourself to the population? Are you actually trying to get people on your side or are you just happy to be a nuisance are you just happy to be a pain in the ass to everybody because you feel like you've been slighted in your life or you're not happy because this guy is an angry man he is a you can tell he's resentful about life he is you know you can tell he's not healthy you can tell he's not happy i don't know what his personal situation is but I can only imagine that things aren't probably going too well if you display yourself in the manner that this guy does. And I can't remember his name, but you'll see him. You'll recognize him if you live in this country. And if you don't, you'll probably never hear about him after this conversation because the government now has decided we are going to lock these people up. You cannot stop the supply chain. You cannot stop emergency services. You cannot stop people from going about their day-to-day business just because you want to make a point. And again, I don't, I don't necessarily disagree with their underlying asks, their underlying wants. It's the method in which they're delivering these things that I have a major problem with. And I don't agree necessarily that the government should be locking protesters up. But this is a very unique circumstance in which we've seen situations where a son was driving his mother to the hospital and they were caught in traffic for six hours because of these protesters. And so his mom has had this stroke and anybody that knows anything about strokes is you need medical attention immediately to stop the effects of the stroke, basically taking hold of your body. And that can happen via things like paralysis or loss of speech and motor skills and so on and so forth. Well, as a consequence of this guy's mom being stuck in traffic for six hours, she's now permanently paralyzed. And when asked, the co-founder said, when asked, would you move if you knew someone's life was in danger? Would you move if emergency services need to get through, get through your protest? He flat out said no. We're seeing news uh, videos now of citizens becoming entirely fed up with these guys and starting to drag them out of the street themselves. They're not even waiting for the police. They're 
in numbers, grabbing these folks and pulling them off to the side of the road. Now they just hobble and kind of squirm their way back into the middle of the road just to be nuisances because their cause is more important than anybody else's situation. And this is a selfishness I can't get behind because there are ways to do things and there are ways not to do things. There are effective ways to protest and there are ineffective ways to protest. There are ways of having good PR and there are ways of having bad PR. And across the board, everything that Insulate Britain is doing is having a negative effect on the things that they're trying to accomplish. And the fact that they can't see that shows me that I don't actually think that they're interested in making a change. They're interested in being a nuisance. And what's hilarious is that one of these protesters, right? I mean, the irony of this is amazing. One of the protesters is, you know, they claim fuel poverty and they claim this is to help the poor and all of this. Yeah. Well, one of the protesters is the wife of one of the bosses of Transport for London, which runs our buses, our tubes, all of our network infrastructure, right? Our public transport infrastructure. She's married to one of the bosses of, of that company and he makes about 175K a year. So they're not you and me. These are middle-class, right? Or upper middle-class and you can see them, right? They're 50, 60 plus years old and they've grown up in this 1960s hippie, you know, kind of counterculture society where it was like buck the system and all of that. But at the end of the day, they went and got jobs. And now that they're retired or they're coming up on retirement or they've got the ability to have some free time, they want to fuck things up for the rest of us. And that combined with their atrocious PR just makes me not be able to side with anything that they're doing. In fact, when I see them causing this disruption, there's a little part right back here that says, you know what? Run those fucking guys over. Then they'll understand. Just run them over. Then they'll move. They'll think twice before standing in front of a transport truck when you run over their foot and break their ankle into a thousand pieces. I'm not advocating for harm against anybody. I'm not advocating for violence against anybody. What I'm asking for is a little bit of community. You cannot have this level of one-way dialogue and expect change to be manifested. It just won't happen. So if you haven't looked into these guys, you should, because they're so hypocritical. They're so farcical in terms of what they're trying to do. And at the end of the day, they lack the courage of their own conviction because half of these guys don't even have insulated houses in the first place. So it's like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? And yes, we do need better insulated houses. And yes, that would affect, you know, some carbon emissions and so on and so forth. But your beef is not with homeowners. Your beef is not with the government redoing insulation across the country. Your beef should be with these big corporations who are producing the fossil fuels that we're going to run out of that are being pumped into the air, right? These massive corporations that poison our waters because of the plastic products that they produce and the runnage overspill that go into our waters. These are the kind of companies that you need to be beefing with. And yes, you need to be beefing with the government, but you need to be doing that in a different way because until you stop fucking with people and their day-to-day -day ability to live life, nobody's going to be on your side. So take heed. There's nothing wrong with saying, 
ah, you know what? We tried it. wasn't It didn't work out the way we wanted to. Let's pivot and try something else. There's nothing wrong with that. But these guys are so indignant and girls are so indignant and so selfish that they can't see the error of their ways. So they're going to get arrested. They're going to continue to piss people off. People continue to advocate for them being arrested. The government will be you know, emboldened not to listen to them at all. And we will get nowhere. So all they will have done is caused pain, delays, in some cases, um, serious medical issues. And if you ask me, they should be held accountable for these things. The medical bills for this poor lady who had a stroke in her car should be sent to them, should be sent to the founder of Insulate Britain to pay for it, right? There was another woman that was, um, her mother was on the way to the hospital in, a, in an ambulance some towns away, and she was trying to get to her to meet her at the hospital. And they just clogged up the highway and nobody could go anywhere. Another mother trying to take her kids to school, almost in tears, pleading with these people. And all they can say is, we're doing this for the, for the betterment of everybody. We're doing this for the greater good. No, you're not. You're doing it because you got nothing else better to do. You live sad, pathetic little fucking lives and you just want to fuck with people. You're anarchists. That's all you are. So drawing a line under the insulate Britain stuff, I think it could be done in a lot better way. But when you have a group that is so one track minded and so narrowly focused on just doing what they think is right and not willing to engage with the wider community on other ways to achieve their end goals, you're destined to fail. So again, have a look at them if you want to, because they're hilarious, um, but they're pissing people off and it's not going to end well. Um, next thing I want to talk about, and we might spend some time on this, and I was going to park this at the end of the episode, but I think actually uh, we just might as well get into it because I don't know how long these shows are going to go. I just know what I want to talk about. And this is definitely something that I want to talk about. So anybody that's watched this podcast knows that a big influence and a big um, kind of, yeah, big influence of mine is Joe Rogan, right? And from the podcasting space, from the entrepreneurial space, from the mindset, well-being, health, fitness, you know, there's a lot to uh, enjoy about Joe Rogan and, uh, you know, admire about Joe Rogan because he's a self-made guy. And, you know, I don't need to give you his resume if you're watching this show, you know, chances are you've definitely watched him as well. Um, but yesterday or the day before I listened to it yesterday, so it must've been recorded on Wednesday. Um, he had Sanjay Gupta on now for anybody that doesn't know or doesn't watch Sanjay Gupta is the lead medical, uh, advisor consultant at CNN. So he's their main medical guy, right? Anything about the pandemic, anything about a virus, anything that, you know, SARS or anything like this that comes out, he's their main guy. Now, I was surprised to see him come up on the roster of episodes um, for, for, the, for the Joe Rogan podcast. But I thought, well, this is definitely worth a listen. If for no other reason than Joe calls him out on the fact that CNN recently tried to drag Joe's name through the dirt because after he got COVID and we spoke about this in, in a previous episode, he used 
you know, many, a cocktail of medicine and drugs to recover that were prescribed by doctors. He had antibodies, he had um, like uh, vitamin drips, and he also used the ivermectin, right? Which using that word in and of itself could get this episode removed from YouTube, right? So as a consequence of that, CNN started to drag his name through the mud saying he used horse dewormer to try to get over COVID. And we were slagging him off and making him this, you know, uh, proponent of misinformation and, you know, damaging, you know, the health protocols that are being put in place by the US government, by the CDC and the World Health Organization and so on and so forth. Right. So anyways, Sanjay Gupta came on the show and they had a three hour conversation. And he was there ultimately because he had a book called World War C coming out, which is about COVID and the pandemic. Sanjay Gupta has has always been a proponent of getting vaccinated, and they spent a lot of the show talking about, you know, the effects of the vaccine, the damage it could do, you know, the benefits versus the risk, and it was a really really good conversation. I mean, I really enjoyed it. And if you haven't listened to it, don't watch the clips. Don't watch the news uh, kind of highlights because everybody is attacking or attaching themselves to this particular story. But watch the episode for yourself. It's three hours long and it's worth watching. And I was, you know, I was listening to this and I was like, you know what, this Sanjay guy is all right. He's, um, you know, he seems to be kind of admitting when he's wrong or when he doesn't know something, he's coming with his own counter evidence, which, you know, he's bouncing off of Joe and they had a really, really constructive, what I thought was a constructive conversation. And Joe got him to admit because they did talk about the horse dewormer claim from CNN. And Sanjay Gupta admitted that CNN should not have said that. It was an insulting statement to make. And Joe kept pressing him about... <clears throat> the fact that this major news outlet out and out lied, knew they were lying, went with it anyways, and have not apologized, have not taken a retraction back or, or any of that, right? So he finally got Sanjay and wouldn't let him off the hook, which I thought was brilliant. You never see this with broadcasters. You never see this with interviewers, but he held his feet to the fire and he said, we're not moving on until you give me a clear answer about whether or not you think that this was correct, right, ethical. Watch it for yourself. You'll see. Joe didn't get irate. He wasn't getting angry. He was being very matter of fact. And he finally got Sanjay to admit that that was an incorrect thing for CNN to do. But then he said it wasn't malicious and nobody at CNN wishes Joe harm or ill will or anything like that. Blah, 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 blah. Right. I mean, We've seen the reports. We hear what these guys say. It's what they say. <laughs> they, they don't want, they never once mentioned the fact that he got better. They never, you know, it was like they were almost hanging on for like a bad result. Like he was actually going to take the veterinary version of ivermectin. And just so you know, if you give your, um, <clears throat> if you give your cat or your dog medicine, is it deworming medicine or something? I can't remember exactly. But there's a major uh, medicine you give to animals. Um, maybe it's for ringworm or something. I can't remember. Anyways, 
the the primary active ingredient is ivermectin. So there are veterinary uses for ivermectin and nobody's ever said that there wasn't, but there are two different versions. And I'm not going to go into this because we did uh, an episode basically called, well, it was called uh, Don't Say the I Word. And we've covered enough of this, but the point is that of course he didn't take horse dewormer. Of course he didn't take the veterinary version of ivermectin. Of course he said outright, it was prescribed by a doctor. I've got money to pay for human medicine. He doesn't need to take horse medicine or animal medicine. And again, he got Sanjay to admit that that wasn't right by CNN. And I was like, this is, this is absolutely brilliant. What a great conversation. But then the show ended. And inevitably, because Joe Rogan has the biggest show in the world, or one of them for sure, all the voices, yeah, all the cockroaches started creeping out, right? The, the lights went out and all the cockroaches start to scatter around. And immediately you see things like, uh, yeah, he may have gotten Sanjay to admit that, but ultimately, you know, he's still wrong. And the primary example of this I want to provide you guys with is Don Lemon. Now, I don't know how you guys feel about Don Lemon. I think Don Lemon is an absolute clown. He's a, he's basically a plant, right? He's a corporate plant and he's just a mouthpiece for whatever the political influence at that network wants to go with on any particular subject on any particular day. So he had an interview with Sanjay Gupta after the podcast to which he was saying, again, all of this misinformation, they claim Joe's giving them misinformation, but then they go out and they just outright lie and they call names and, and uh, you know, you'll, you can find the clip if you want to see the clip, but effectively Don Lemon sitting there as he always does as the moral superiority, trying to say that he's right. CNN are right. Joe Rogan doesn't know anything. Why did he even go on the show? Blah, blah, blah. And I thought this was a really, you know, well, it was par for the course for them, but I thought it was really disingenuous because the problem was Sanjay didn't say anything in Joe's defense. He didn't rectify or clarify any of the points that Lemon was throwing at him in terms of the claims he was, he was saying that Joe was making that he was wrong about. And I thought that was really weak from Sanjay. So immediately, all of the goodness and all of the good vibes I've got about Sanjay Gupta, they go away. Because now, who is he? He's this guy on the Rogan podcast, which seemed very genuine and honest. But then you get him back in a TV screen that has CNN branded on the bottom. And all of a sudden, he's incapable of having a nuanced discussion, refuting the claims made by Don Lemon that were completely inaccurate, or even saying and giving credit to Joe Rogan for how balanced the conversation was, how constructive the conversation was, how open to alternate point of views he was. There was none of that. He sat silent. He reinforced the sort of CNN liberal talking points that you must get vaccinated and that's the only way out of this thing and so on and so forth. When just a few hours before I'm listening to this guy have a really nuanced conversation with Joe about 
different considerations we need to make or different, you know, implications that could be had or the lack of long-term data and the effects of children, the vaccines on children, specifically boys who are getting this myocard, uh, myocarditis, uh, which is like an inflammation of the heart. Again, listen to the show. I'm not going to repeat all of the things that they talked about. You can go watch that for yourself. But the point was they were having a very, very good discussion. It was really engaging. It was back and forth. It was funny at times. They ended up drinking whiskey together. And I thought, oh, this is who Sanjay is. And maybe it is. But I can't tolerate this corporatism that these people have to have, you know, or fear what, losing their job or being smeared by the network that they once worked for. You got to have more backbone than that if you're going to develop any credibility with me, any long-term sustainable credibility with me. You have to back up your character with some substance. If you don't, then you lack both. And I can't, I can't vibe with people like that. Sanjay Gupta also wrote a blog after. And it was, oh, it was gross. It was gross. He was saying things like he was invited on the show, which isn't true because Joe very, very rarely invites people the way that the Joe Rogan show works now because it's so enormous is you have to submit a brief to Joe or Joe's management and that will get get filtered to Joe. And if he's interested, he will pick up the conversation with you and then he will bring you into the show. But it will never be him reaching out to say, I'd love to have Sanjay Gupta on the show to promote his book or to talk about COVID. That rarely, rarely happens. I think it may like happen with very, very specific guests. But you get invited if you pass sort of the smell test, as it were. That's how you don't just get invited. But he made it again disingenuously seem like Rogan had reached out and invited him to the show, which is just not true. And he goes on to say, you know, I came on to the show to try to convince Joe Rogan. And, you know, clearly there's enough misinformation out in the public sphere that reinforce his like misguided opinions about the vaccine and this pandemic talking about how he like, you know, how it was, it was just, when they started talking about ivermectin and when they started talking about these different things that he felt like he was locked in the cage calling joe an mma fighter listen joe's not an mma fighter he never has been an mma fighter he is an mma commentator and he is a former taekwondo competitor he does jujitsu but he has never competed in mma so the whole blog is artificial it's wrong on so many levels it gets facts incorrect and again, it goes to show that the character of a person, when caught up in this corporate environment, in this corporate machinery, you do what the masters tell you to do, or you don't get to take part in that anymore. This is a doctor. We heard three hours of his conversation. He admits this is the longest conversation he's ever had with anybody in his entire life. Yet he's got no backbone to stand up for the content that he put out on one of the biggest shows in the world about a really critical issue that affects every single person on the planet right now. 
And then he just goes back onto his network and says, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Forget all that. Forget all that. Take the vaccine. It's the only way out. You know, all this misinformation, blah, blah, blah. And it's just gross. But what's even what's even more gross is that Don Lemon has the audacity to sit on television every fucking night and cast this this shroud and this dark cloud of like moral inferiority over everybody that doesn't agree with everything that he says, no matter what, if you disagree, then you're the other, you're the other side. You're not part of the conversation. You might as well be canceled. You're an idiot. You're a moron. And I think this is so rich coming from this guy, right? Because not only is he not a journalist, let's get that absolutely clear right now he is not a journalist he is an he is a tv personality that editorializes his own views and those of his uh corporate bosses to further a narrative for the democratic party that is all he is okay in a nutshell that's don lemon but there's another side to don lemon and this is the point that i make when we talk about you know they are what they accuse us of being Right. When I make statements like that, and you've probably heard that statement in in other areas and from other people as well, it's not unique to me, but it is. It is them. Calling us something when it's actually them that are that thing. Right. So, for example, the majority of people have abided by the covid lockdown rules, right, wearing masks and doing all of that. But who do we see breaking those rules? The governor of California. Right. Chris Cuomo right? AOC, right? Like these elites, Biden. And anytime you go to like the Met Gala, where we talked about that a few episodes ago, right? And you see all these people huddled in and they're not wearing masks. They're ignoring the mandates that they put in place that they claim we all have to follow because we're the problem. And we're the reason why this virus keeps spreading and, you know, perpetuating itself through society and ruining all of our lives effectively, right? It's always that which you they accuse you of that is them they're effectively holding a mirror up but then projecting that onto the rest of us when it's actually you know it's actually them right they're the fucking hypocrites they're the fucking they're the ones that are ignoring the mandates because they think they're too good right they think they're too cool for school they don't have to abide by the rules it's just like the facebook thing right when the facebook whistleblower came out and she was like she was talking about how uh, content is censored and moderated. She out and out told Congress or whoever it was that she was in front of that Facebook allows celebrities and high profile individuals a pass on having any of their content removed because they don't want a PR disaster. It's one rule for them and it's one rule for us. So when I hear Don Lemon giving it all this big shit on TV about how cool he is and how you know morally superior he is and how he has the answer to everything and blah, 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 blah. I get a real kick out of the fact that he now has to go back to court on a sexual assault claim. So Don Lemon, who has the, the goal and the audacity to shit on everybody, big or small, who doesn't agree with him and his corporate talking points is now being brought back up on charges of sexual assault. And these stem from 2018 when 
as the victim claims. He was approached by Don Lemon in a bar or a nightclub or whatever the setting was. I'll, I'll throw up some more information about it. But effectively, this guy turned away Don Lemon's advances because FYI, Don Lemon's a gay man, if, if anybody didn't know that. Not that it matters, but for the context, you're like, you, probably, you might be thinking, well, you're talking about a guy and a guy. Yes, Don Lemon's gay. And this was uh, he was approaching this guy in a bar or wherever it was. And the guy didn't want his advances or something like that. And so Don Lemon proceeded to stick his hand down the front of the guy's pants, start caressing his cock, rubbing his cock, and like basically, well, I mean, it, what would what would happen if a man did that to a woman? That that would be considered sexual assault and rape, right? So Don Lemon is now being accused. Well, he's already been accused. He is being re-brought up on the sexual assault charges. And the witness, for all intents and purposes, seems pretty legit. One rule for them, one rule for us. They are what they accuse you of being. There's not a Me Too problem, okay? There's not a Black Lives Matter problem. But disagree with them and you're the racist, disagree with them, and you're the misogynist, disagree with them, and your toxic masculinity is what's ruining our society. So I find it hilarious. And again, I should change the name of this show to like hypocrisy now or something like that, because it seems to be the through line on all of the conversations that we have is, is the hypocrisy of what those in power or with platforms claim and do versus what they claim and do uh what they claim the rest of us do right it is it is so hypocritical but it's so it's so obvious too that that's why i have a smile on my face because like imagine sitting there and being so judgmental of everybody it's like chris cuomo right? Chris Cuomo has been pulled up on sexual assault charges as well. Sexual harassment charges. His fucking brother, right? Governor of New York. He's had to resign because of these sexual assault misconduct charges. And now Don Lemon, the moral superiority, the, the, the gay black man, the face of equality and inclusion in CNN is being charged with sexual assault of a man because he was fondling his cock under his pants not through the pants he went down his pants right and i'll post the article up so you could see the details of it but check it out check it out so i guess wrapping it all up because there's going to be no end of news coverage on this i was my takeaway from the podcast was sanjay is a really smart guy he's obviously you know he's a neurosurgeon or something like that so he's not a moron But it's amazing to me how, how muzzled someone can become, how they can so quickly leave all of their morals and, their, and, and, and all of their, uh, you know, I don't even know what, morals is probably the best word for it. They leave all of their morals and real opinions outside, and then they lie when put on camera with a CNN logo. So from the podcast, I had a lot of respect gained for Sanjay. And then the subsequent follow-up inter uh, interview with Don Lemon, and then the blog post that I read that he wrote, 
it's all gone. Not only is it all gone, but I don't like you even more than I didn't like you before. So take that for what it's worth. I mean, you're not, you know, I'm not exactly the CNN demographic. I mean, let's be honest, guys, right? The people who watch these news channels are 60 plus years old. This is not the get going generation. This is not the, this is not the like the intellectually curious generation. They've lived their life. All they're doing is watching something that they agree with. And it's basically, it's basically spoon feeding them ice cream, right? They don't have to chew. All they have to do is put it in their mouth and swallow. And when you're old and you're losing all your sense of smell and taste, shit can taste like ice cream. It's got the same consistency in some cases. So they don't mind swallowing it. Not for me. Not for me. And this has just discredited that network to an even higher degree than it already was before. And I didn't think that was possible. But because this guy came on this podcast and gave such an honest account and such a good conversation about really important subjects and then completely flip-flopped when he got back home into his safe home base, I got no respect for a guy like that. How can you? He's got no moral conviction. Money comes before. TV time comes before all of that. Fame and notoriety comes before all that. Selling your book comes before all of that. It is what it is. Check out the podcast, though, because it's a good, despite everything I've said about how shit Sanjay Gupta is, it's a really good episode. One of the best episodes, I have to say. So anyways, moving on. The next thing I want to talk about, I just got to stay hydrated, guys. Yeah, stay hydrated. Gotta have a sip of water. Biggest water bottle in the world, by the way. The next thing I want to talk about is Kyrie Irving. And again, for anybody listening in the UK that doesn't know who Kyrie Irving is, he is a top uh, level NBA player. He's a point guard and he plays for the Brooklyn Nets, I believe. Yes. Um, anyways, Kyrie Irving was due to start training camp like beginning of this month. I think the NBA training camp starts, but the NBA again, in this woke liberal bullshit culture that they have. And I have to preface this by saying the NBA since going woke and since kowtowing to China has not got a single uh, second of viewership from me. They will never, ever, get another dollar or pound spent on their products, their tickets, any merchandise, anything. I will never contribute to the the economy of the NBA because of how they dealt with the China situation. When the Houston Rockets general manager uh, tweeted out last year, uh, support for the protesters in Hong Kong, the NBA was subsequently uh, threatened by China with losing their TV rights and their ability to play games in China, which is their second biggest market outside of the USA, uh, they were threatened that that would all be cut off if they didn't effectively stand down and put a gag order on all players, all personnel, all owners, everybody about criticizing the CCP. And they did it. So as a consequence of that, they don't get any of my business anymore. So fuck them first off. But to the point that we're talking about Kyrie Irving, the NBA has mandated all players to be vaccinated. If they're not, similar to the thing that they're doing with the medical workers in the UK 
and in China and in America, or in China, in France and in America, they're saying, if you're not vaccinated, you don't get to take part. So you don't get to earn a living. You don't get to continue to build your brand. You don't get any exposure. You don't get to you know, interact with your teammates or be a part of the team or anything like that. You're sidelined indefinitely until you change your mind and get vaccinated. Well, Kyrie Irving's basically said, fuck you. I'm not getting vaccinated. And if you want to suspend me, then suspend me. And he's sticking by his morals. Now, let's not forget Kyrie Irving two years ago thought the earth was flat. So I don't know entirely where his mind is at, but on this particular point, and that's why you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? Because just because somebody might be wrong on something doesn't mean they're wrong on everything. And just because they have an opinion that you don't agree with on one thing doesn't mean that you can't align with them on other things. And that's exactly where we're at with Kyrie Irving, because anybody that tells me the earth is flat, I want them to just smash their face off a wall until they pass out because you're no good to me. But in this particular instance, when he's talking about the vaccine mandate, I entirely agree with him and I applaud him for sticking to his guns, to sticking his ground and saying, no, 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 I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. So he's basically put out a video on social media saying, how come nobody's asking me about these things? How come everybody is making these determination, uh, these determinations about who I am, my character, my beliefs, what I'm doing and why I'm doing it, my motivations and so on and so forth? Why is nobody asking me? And he's got a point because they just hear one thing and then the media starts to run with it in whatever direction they end up traveling, right? If you take the right-wing media, they're going to be like, look at Kyrie standing up for the beliefs of everybody and blah, 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 blah. And if you look at the left, he's an anti-vaxxer, right? He's putting all of his teammates in danger. He's setting a bad example for the youth, so on and so forth, right? So depending on which side you tend to veer off into, you'll get the messaging that I just provided for you. So he put out a video and he said, why is nobody asking me about this? Like I'm doing this for me. I'm doing this for my family. I'm doing this for the sovereignty of my own body. And there's plenty of questions to be asked about the vaccine and its effectiveness and its safety. And I'm not comfortable with it. And that should be my right. And to that point, he is 100% right. And I guess I'm not going to talk a lot about this because there's not a ton to talk about other than the fact that I, again, I applaud him for standing his ground and, you know, kind of fighting back against this big corporate giant that is the NBA. That's just, again, kowtowing the line for the government and saying, yep, we'll play like nice little boys um, and we'll get everybody in line. Don't worry about it but you've got this guy and now he's an outlier. Now he's a dissenter. And now he's being dragged through the mud as an anti-vaxxer when all he's doing is actually posing questions and looking for some answers, which I think we can all relate to, especially in the clusterfuck that has been the last 18 months around this vaccine. Because when this thing started, they thought it was going to take two weeks to curb this or flatten that curve and then we'd be all back to normal two years later look what we've got vaccine passports mandates for doing this that and the other thing or you can't work or you can't go to school you can't get a job here you can't travel here without doing this that and the other thing tests for everybody you know it's um 
it's been a complete removal of many of our rights that we're never going to get back unless we basically stand up and say no more, like Kyrie Irving is doing. If you want to get vaccinated, as I did, that is your choice. If you don't want to get vaccinated, that should be your choice as well. The government and anybody else in the world should never be able to mandate that you put medicine in your body that you don't want to. If you die as a result of that, that's your choice. But you should be free to exercise that choice no matter what. Any vaccine mandate or any mandate at all that tells a sovereign individual, a citizen of a country, that they cannot take part in life unless you are not a democracy anymore. It's as simple as that. You're not a democracy anymore. And I applaud for the third time everything that Kyrie is doing in regards to his standing up against this corporate mandate to be vaccinated. His team released a statement saying he's free to make his own decisions, but we have a mandate. And okay, if that's what the mandate is, that's what the mandate is. But I wonder what his economy is within the NBA. I wonder how many jerseys Kyrie serves, uh, sells. I wonder how many tickets he helps sell. I wonder what kind of viewer ratings he, help, he helps uh, generate for his teams. Not only that, but he's a major piece of the puzzle for that team and a great on-floor leader. Somebody who can help you know, determine whether you have a successful season or not. So... They would rather do this than let the guy play. But are we going to ask everybody attending an NBA game to wear a mask? Are we going to may are we going to mandate that every fan who goes into the building to watch an NBA game has to be vaccinated or do you don't get you don't get access? Because if that's the case, I would encourage everybody that's not vaccinated to start making a stink. Start standing up for yourself because I got vaccinated. I'm fine. I like, okay, cool. But I've told you the line in the sand for me is boosters. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. But if you have fear or whatever about getting the vaccine, you don't want to do it. You should not be made to do it. So we should all look at Kyrie Irving for what he's doing, standing up against one of the biggest corporations in the world, the NBA, and saying, fuck you, I'm, st I'm sticking to my morals, I'm sticking to my point, and I'm not doing this. And we need more people to do that rather than just, you know, join the line of sheep walking towards the slaughter, which, you know, many people are, and they're doing it with like a dumb smile on their face. And it just, uh, it's really, it's really sad. But again, big up to Kyrie, because I think what he's doing, you know, this is activism. When you're a sports star, this is activism. Like Colin Kaepernick, fuck him, taking a knee, pretending just so he could get like a Nike deal and shit. Like, fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. It's all smoke and mirrors, right? It's all bollocks. But what Kyrie's doing actually matters. What Kyrie's doing is actually uh, a service, a good service, right? Because he's showing people that you have to stand up for your rights. And I know Kaepernick was trying to do that, but he was talking about police brutality and racism. And the message was just completely wrong. Again, picked up, started this whole, or helped kind of accelerate this BLM, this Black Lives Matter movement, which is all junk, right? It's all fucking garbage, it's a Ponzi scheme, basically, right? Black people don't get killed by cops more than other people. 
and they don't get killed more than white people. More white people die at the hands of police than black people do. It's facts. It's facts. I'm sitting here looking you in the eye. It's facts. Okay. So go and give uh, Kyrie's video a like if you, uh, if you can see it, um, if you can find it, or if you even care. <laughs> um, <coughs> the next thing that I want to talk about is going back to our old friend, Jeffrey Epstein. So Jeffrey Epstein obviously got, got disappeared, right? Got suicided, right? In his prison, uh, in his prison cell. Um, but what that did was, I guess, open up the ream of, you know, individuals that Epstein had been in contact with. And we've covered this on, on the show previously when we talked about Bill Gates and, you know, how he was still hanging out with Epstein after he was a convicted uh, pedophile. Well, this is in relation to Prince Andrew, right? So Prince Andrew was another one, stayed at Epstein's house, right? After he was convicted of being a sexual predator and a child molester, right? Still hung out with the guy. There's pictures of him in Central Park. They're famous pictures, right? And then Prince Andrew did an interview on the BBC, I think it was last year. That was, I mean, you, you couldn't have made it any worse. You know, it, it was so clear that he was lying. It was so clear that he was involved. And it was so clear that he was, he was in panic mode, basically, right? You could almost see it in his face, in his fat fucking jowls, right? That he was sweating. He was sweating and then making claims like, I, I don't sweat. That couldn't have been me uh, back in the day because I didn't sweat back then. I've had it fixed now, but I didn't sweat back then, Right. I mean, this guy, right? I was, at, I don't remember that, but I was at Pizza Express on this day that you're asking me about being in the club with her, right? Come on, man. Come on. So anyways, there was an investigation going on. The FBI want to talk to this fucking guy, but the, you know, the House of Windsor, right? The royal family, they're blocking it. I don't know how they can do that. I don't know how they can do that, but they are. And they're doing it successfully for now. But there was also an investigation launched by the Metropolitan Police, which are the police force in London, in Eng right? For anybody that doesn't know that anybody outside, that's the Met, right? So they launched an investigation into Prince Andrew. And yesterday they made an announcement. I don't know if anybody's heard the announcement yet, but it should make you absolutely want to vomit. The Met Police have come out and said they're dropping the case against him. They will be taking no further action and doing no further investigation into the claims of the woman who says she was sexually assaulted and trafficked by Jeffrey Epstein to Prince Andrew. That's a wrap. That's a wrap. How are you, as an organization like the Metropolitan Police, supposed to reinstill confidence from the general public after we've just had a at an active police officer convicted to life in prison with no parole for murdering a girl who was walking from a pub to her house five minutes away, who used his police identity, his police car, to handcuff this girl, get her in the car, drive her to a location, rape, murder, and discard her body. 
Cressida Dick, the uh, the head of the Metropolitan Police, says we have work to do. We've got to re uh, we've got to rebuild the trust with the public, and we've got to we've got to do everything we can to ensure that you know the population and women specifically have confidence in the police department that they're going to protect them and they've got their best interests at heart and their claims and their and their um you know their their um their uh, their accusations about abuse and assault and mistreatment we have to take them seriously and then one week later they announced we're dropping the investigation against prince andrew who is absolutely a pedophile okay he is absolutely a pervert. He is absolutely guilty of this. I'm not an investigator. I'm not a fucking lawyer. I'm not a judge, but I can tell I'm very good at reading people. This guy is a liar. He was intrinsically linked with Jeffrey Epstein. He's not in the science community, so you can't use the Bill Gates argument, right? So what was he doing with Jeffrey Epstein all these times? He was a, he was a good friend and he should have known better. And, oh, he just needed a place to stay and it was easy and convenient. Get the fuck out of here. And the the absolute. Like it's it's like a miscarriage of justice for the Metropolitan Police to come out and say, we are no longer investigating this guy. You're no longer. What'd you find? You found nothing. Did you question the guy? Did you interview him on the record? Was any of this done? I find it appalling. And I think this is going to have an even more detrimental effect to the reputation of the Metropolitan Police, its leadership and organizational structure. Because how are people supposed to have confidence that you're doing things in their best interest, in the, in the interests of public safety, when you have this disgusting piece of shit just... Free to go. Free to go. How is it that a murdering psychopath could even become a police officer? This is a completely incompetent system. This is a completely incompetent organization. They basically, they're so understaffed that they effectively allow burglaries and theft to occur unchecked now. If your house or your car gets broken into, they will come around and they will say, if they even come around, they will say, this will likely not get solved. We don't have the resources to investigate it. And there's really nothing we can do about it. That is the state of the police force in London right now. That is the state of the Metropolitan Police right now. So I just wanted to bring this up because I was, it absolutely disgusted me that that this was the conclusion of this investigation, that it was getting dropped and no further action would be taken. And I just, I can't reconcile it other than chalking it up to absolute corruption and influence of power and manipulation. What else can it be? The guy's so dead to rights in terms of his affiliation with what is possibly the largest sex trafficker that we've seen in our lifetime, or at least that we know about in our lifetime. I'm sure there's like some Romanian crews or some, you know, Eastern European bloc countries that are like, you know, heavy in the game. But this guy was a supposedly a billionaire. He was probably just a plant. Um, 
that had access to everybody. All the powerful people you can imagine were in his diary, in his black book of contacts. And yet we just let this friend of his who was staying at his mansion for free, a pass, willy-nilly, that's it. Close the book, case closed, nothing more to see here. Fuck that, man. I don't buy it for a second, and neither should you. You should be disgraced with the Metropolitan Police. You should be tweeting at them. You should be making sure that everybody knows what they've done and how unacceptable it is. Because whilst the organization continues to, continues to operate like this, women won't feel safe. Offenders will feel emboldened to continue this behavior. And the lack of resource that the Metropolitan Police has means there'll be less cops on the streets to deal with any of these problems in the first place. And then you get like, then you get these like, like just attempts at pretending they're doing something, right? So BT, British Telecoms, massive phone and internet company. Well, the CEO of that went to the home secretary, Pretty Patel, and said, I've got an idea for you. We can do 888 as a number for women to dial. And what that number will do was if, will effectively track it will effectively track the journey from point A to point B. And if it'll give you like an ETA as to when you should be arriving. And if you're not there within sort of five or 10 minute window of when you're supposed to be arriving, it will send an alert to whoever, like the police or family contacts, emergency contacts, whatever. On the top, on the surface, it doesn't sound like a terrible idea. And for anybody that doesn't know, 999 is our 911 over here. So I'm talking to the Americans and the Canadians uh, now. 999 is our 911. So 888 is this, is, is this dedicated number. They've proposed this dedicated number for women. Couple issues. Couple issues. One, how do they know it's a woman using the service? Right? Two, how are they going to fund this? Because I just finished telling you how understaffed the Metropolitan Police was. So who's going to fund these lines? And if something does happen, what's the response time? Because what I understand you've done is you've taken it from 888. Now we'll have to go through a moderator and then go to 999, hopefully get through and then action the, the, the situation. So it seems like it's actually building in delays to the reporting process, not to mention a lot of women already do this, right? They'll, they'll call somebody if they're walking home um, and stay on the phone with them until they get there, right? So I don't see the point until I heard more about the story. How much is it going to cost? 50 million quid. 50 million quid to set up 888. Are you fucking kidding me? 50 million quid to set up a three-digit number they don't know how they're going to staff it. They don't know how the protocols are going to work. They don't know how they're going to manage it or how they're going to facilitate the response times for it. But they know it's going to cost 50 million quid. They've got that figured out already, right? So check. We know how much it's going to cost. We don't know when it's going to be ready. We don't. Oh, oh he said, he said, we think we could get it ready to go uh, by the end of the year. 
50 million quid for three months work for two months work. Are you fucking kidding me? Like it just, it, it, it boggles the mind. It boggles the mind, but they're considering it. Of course they're considering it. Of course they're considering it. I wonder what the ties between pretty Patel and the CEO of BTR, right? I think we dig a little deeper into that. And I'm not an investigative journalist. I'm just, I'm just saying what I'm seeing and what I'm reading and what I'm hearing, right? 50 million quid to set up 888. Fucking stuff it up your ass, you fucking idiot, right? Fix the police department. Put the 50 million into the police department to staff more cops and to do better training and to clean up the cesspool that is the fucking Met Police. How about that? Use the money, and use the money to, to, to build up your resources. We need more cops on the street. It's fucking terrible in London. Absolutely horrendous in London. Crime and fucking robberies and rapes and fucking knife crime and God, mental health and all. You got big problems. Don't be spending 50 million quid on a three digit number that ain't going to work in the first place. It's fucking pathetic. Anyways, never mind. I'm moving on. I'm moving on. All right. The next thing I want to talk about, and we're moving back to America now, is uh, the recent announcement by the Biden administration. That the uh, that the IRS will be tracking all transactions in the country that are six hundred dollars or over, and the justification for this is so that they can curb uh, nefarious practices or shady practices by big business, big corporations. This is for big corporations. Okay, so by tracking $600 transactions for everybody in the country, you're doing this to stop big business cheating? Does that, does that make sense to you? Because to me, it sounds like it's just another method of tracking people and building them into this trackable ecosystem. Because... I don't think money laundering happens at $600 increments. I don't think that bribes and payoffs and, you know, whatever, like, I don't think that happens at the $600 range, right? I don't think this is for, and call me a skeptic, I don't think this is for the reasons that they're telling us. I don't think this is for an investigation or more oversight into the business practices of these massive corporations. I think this is part of the vaccine passport, all of the tracking. If we look at the 888 thing that I just mentioned, this would be another way to track. Sorry, for anybody wondering, these are not yellow because of cigarettes. I cut uh, turmeric uh, up for my smoothies in the morning. And it stains. And I thought I'd gotten it all off, but I just caught a, a glance of it there. So if anybody's wondering, I'm not a dirt bag. I actually was making a smoothie. Um, anyways, back to it. This is similar to like the 888 thing, right? So they do the vaccine passports. They do the 888 thing. And I know this is uh, in the UK, right? The 888 thing. And it's, you know, the IRS is in America. Yeah, I'm, I'm aware, right? But it's all part of the same ecosystem that these Western governments are trying to build, which is a fully trackable society that can be then scored upon behavior, right? Or you get, you get a score based on your behavior, right? 
so that's what it is, or that's what, at least what it seems to me, because how the fuck are you going to tackle corporate fraud at the $600 level? It seems, and listen, guys, if I'm talking shit and you know something I don't, put it in the comments. I will happily talk to you about this. I'll happily have a debate about this with you. And I'll happily hear your point of view if I'm wildly inaccurate or off the mark on this. But I just don't see how you tackle massive corporate fraud, money laundering, bribery, extortion, et cetera, whatever it may be, just fiddling the books at the $600 level. Unless you're doing it like, like if you're trying to try like trying to track like bank transactions or something, it's like, but like, are you going to be, Oh, like let's move 600 there or 600 there. Or is it like a decimal? I don't know. I'm not a financial expert. Right. And I don't work in these companies. Maybe one of you guys listening knows a little bit more about this than I do, but it just seems to me that this is about consuming us all into a trackable ecosystem rather than what they're saying uh, on the tin that this thing is supposed to do. So um, that's just kind of an FYI, but I want to move on to something else because this is absolutely absurd, right? So it's recently come out, and this is one of the things I was going to talk about on the last episode. It's recently come out that uh, the CIA was planning to assassinate Julian Assange, right? Yeah, they were trying to assassinate Julian Assange for releasing real footage and real information about the corruption of the government and how the government sanctioned murders and happened to kill some reporters whilst doing it. You remember the Reuters helicopter footage where they're shooting the journalist down and they're like, hey, we got the motherfucker, right? And they're all like cheering and they're like having a good time about it. That via Bradley Manning, now Chelsea Manning, was how all of this started, right? WikiLeaks facilitated the distribution of, of classified documents and that made him uh, public enemy number one, enemy of the state, Julian Assange was. And so he has been locked in the Ecuadorian embassy in London for, what, seven years? I don't know if he's out now. Is he out now? Um, but he's been in there for like six years. And they've tried many ways. They've tried many things, right? They tried to bring him up on rape charges and tried to have him extradited, Um to Sweden. So then he could then be extradited to America where he would be basically locked up for life or, you know, um, executed as like a, an enemy of the state or treasonous. Right. But what the revelations have shown is that the CIA was actually planning. Well, they were considering a number of different ways during the Trump administration, by the way. Right. They were, they were considering a number of, of different things. They were considering uh, poisoning him. They were considering kidnapping him. They were considering um, just like assassinating him where they saw him. They were, uh, they were contemplating um, a gun, like a, like a fucking shootout with like Russians and trying to blame it on Russia on the streets of London, by the way. They were trying all of these different things, or they were considering trying all of these different things, I should say. I should say. Um, and for whatever reason, none of them got authorized, but it sounds like they were pretty close and they were asking for all options. Effectively, nothing was off the table. Think about this. The Central Intelligence Agency is effectively running hit operations. And I mean, if I'm looking at this honestly, 
this is nothing new, right? But with our with living in the information age and having all of these revelations come out, it just shines such a bright spotlight on the corruption of all of these institutions, all of these government institutions, and all they're trying to do is continue down the road that achieves their sole objectives, right? It's destabilizing nation states so that we can acquire natural resources or set up our own interests in those countries, right? Iraq, Afghanistan, et cetera. Um, it's, I don't know, man, it's, it's scary. It's scary that they can operate with such impunity and seemingly face no consequences because we now know that the CIA was actively trying to assassinate Julian Assange, who is being held accountable for this. Can anybody give me a name? Because I haven't found one. And it's really disturbing to me that one of the, I consider Julian Assange like, like a, like a proper activist, like a proper, like, I don't want to go so far as to say hero. Cause that's, that's probably the wrong word, but like the revelations that he's put out via WikiLeaks have fundamentally changed the consciousness for millions and millions of people about how they view the government, its operations, its inner workings, and how, again, they just operate on the fringes of legality, blurring those lines constantly just to achieve their own ends. So I don't know what the point of, of talking about this is other than to talk about it, because we just seem to be on such a slippery slope towards chaos and destruction. And if nobody's speaking about this at length, and I know I'm not like some investigative journalist, and I know I'm not like a qualified lawyer or anything like that, but I feel like I have a valid opinion on these things. And I feel like the point of view that I'm talking about is valid. And we have to be talking about these things. Because if we're not, they're going to continue to do what they've always done and continue to operate their own, the way they've always operated. And we will be the consequence of those actions ultimately. And I don't want to see us dragged into subjugation and servitude on, you know, for, you know, some bureaucrats, some middle-aged white dudes, some old fucking 80-year-old white dudes and women. I don't want to be beholden to them. And so with my little piece and my little platform, hopefully I can shine some light if you're not aware of some of these issues or draw some more context on some of these issues. But I thought it was worth repeating that, you know, Julian Assange, what he's done is one of the greatest public services that I can recall by lifting the, you know, the, the veil of secrecy on how these intelligence operations happen, how inaccurate they are how many civilians are killed as a result and how they don't give a shit and pay zero consequences for them so anyways moving on uh captain kirk went into space i mean how fucking cool is that captain kirk went well he kind of went to space right he went to suborbit right because he did it with um uh, he did it with Amazon. He did it with Bezos. Blue Origin, I think his space company is is uh, is called. But I just thought there was something uh, 
I thought there was something really cool about that. Like Captain Kirk, right, brought space to so many people's living rooms with Star Trek. The TV show, the movies, right? He was, he's a, he's a cultural icon, right? Captain Kirk, William Shatner. I mean, you know, people mimic his voice and, you know, he's, he's just an absolute legend. And I'm not a huge Star Trek fan or anything like that. Admittedly, I used to watch Star Trek The Next Generation because I used to like Data, um, that character. Um, but I've never been like a sci-fi fan. But I appreciate culture, right? And I appreciate sort of like legends and things like that. And William Shatner's a fucking legend. There's no doubt about it. So he got to go to space or close, right? Space. Elon makes fun of Bezos about that as well. Uh, I saw an interview with him and he was like, um, maybe he should focus on getting to orbit rather than all the lawsuits that he's uh, involved in because you can't sue your way to space. <laughs> Such a savage. Um, but anyways, William Shatner went to space and I thought that was phenomenal. But of course, then you get the media. Then you get celebrities. Then you get these assholes that have to put their two cents in about why the cool thing was terrible and negative and not something we should be focused on. And it's just like, go. These guys should get together and just circle jerk each other and make each other happy. Like, it's so beta to have this kind of point of view. And there's three particular people that criticize William Shatner that I thought was particularly just just sad just sad a bit pathetic really um one was george takai or takai however they say however you say his last name um he was uh he was on star trek right with william shatner and he's complaining about like you know oh he shouldn't have gone up there he was a guinea pig or whatever right whatever then there was jimmy kimmel who was saying, I mean, I can't even fucking remember what, what these guys were saying. I'm just, I'm just saying that, you know, they're losers, basically. And then the other one was Prince William, right? Prince William saying, oh, well, we need to focus on, uh, we need to focus on the problems here on Earth rather than, you know, playing, playing, playing in space, playing, you know, playing rocket ships or whatever. And it's like Elon says. Like Elon, when asked that question about shouldn't we be focusing more of our energy, time and resources on the problems we face on Earth, he agrees. Right. And he says, well, we're not even using one percent of the world's wealth or resource to do space exploration. But the benefits of space exploration could have you know, world-changing consequences. If we're a multi-planetary species, if we're a, a space-faring species, that will give us certain extensions to our civilization, certain extensions to the human race, right? And yes, the earth isn't going to implode or blow up or be sucked into a black hole for, you know, a couple of billion years if we don't destroy it on our own which seems more likely and, and, and more probable. Shouldn't we be looking for other things? Should we just be satisfied? Like, okay, 
space tourism and all that, like I've got certain thoughts on that. And I know I was like shitting on Bezos the other day in, in one of the previous episodes about going up to space and wearing his wristwatch on the outside of his coat and all that stuff. But the space tourism stuff doesn't really interest me as much as what Elon's doing, because Elon's actually trying to get us into orbit, which he did with the... Um, uh, what was it called? Uh, the Inspiration 4 crew. If you haven't seen that documentary, check that out on Netflix. It's fucking awesome. Um, but he's actually trying to do space travel, not space tourism. And space tourism is, is maybe a step to get, you know, the wider adoption of this. But ultimately, it's like a vanity project for Richard Branson and Bezos, where I see Elon Musk really focused on the mission, which is making us a multi-planetary species and a, a space-faring species that can travel in space to different destinations and not just be confined by Earth. But he absolutely agrees that we should be spending most of our resources on fixing the problems on Earth, but they're, they're, that we have enough resources to be able to also do space exploration as well. So when I see Prince William, who's basically a tourist attraction, right? Him and his whole fucking family, they do nothing. His dad's been working on climate change for like 40 years. And look where we are. Like, good job with your charities, you fucking nuns, right? Like, these people do nothing. They do nothing. They take our taxes from us. They build fucking palaces. They refurbish these palaces with our money. And then they act like we owe them something. And it's like, you know what? Keep your fucking opinions to yourself. You and your brother. Keep your fucking opinions to yourself until you've actually done something worth talking about. How about that? Jimmy Kimmel, same thing. Shut your fucking mouth, you half-rate fucking talk show host that, if we remember correctly, used to host one of the most, um, well, let's just say his show would be me too up the asshole by now if anything was still related to Jimmy Kimmel and that brand, right? He got out of that a long time ago and sold his soul to corporate media. But it's just like the Prince Harry in the Nazi outfit, right? Don't forget, we know who you are. We know where you came from, you fucking liar, right? You fucking moral superiority complex douchebag, right? Like fucking Jimmy Kimmel and George Takei. George Takei, hey, thanks to William Shatner, you had a career, you fuck. How about that, right? I don't even know what George Takei said, but I don't like the fact that he's criticizing some old man for having fun and realizing his dreams about being able to go to space. Right. And I just think these people, man, they're such toxic. Ugh, they're just gross. Anyways, I'm fucking done with it. I didn't want to talk too much about that. I just want to say I thought it was cool as shit that William Shatner went to space and Captain Kirk getting close to the final frontier is absolutely poetic. And he's a fucking legend for doing it. So um, last thing I want to do is I want to pivot to Canada. Right. Because Canada is where a lot of my family live. It's where I grew up. And, you know, it's always had a place in my heart, but that is becoming a, you know, a smaller piece and almost non-existent now, because I think Canada is turning into an absolute cesspool. And I think I've talked about this before, right? House prices are up like 600% over the last like four years or something like that. They're making everything completely unaffordable for the regular folks. They're rolling out this, uh, you know, this big brother state vaccine mandates, all of this stuff. And what I've seen recently is particularly gross because CBC, who is the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, so similar to uh, the BBC here, 
right? I don't know if America has one of them, uh, but they're supposed to be credible. They're supposed to be a credible news outlet that tells you the truth, the honest stories, and like objective information about subjects, right? And, 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 and topics that they cover. Well, obviously all of Canada now and all of the corporate media now and all of the government now are all wrapped up in these COVID mandates. And making sure at every moment of every day that you're as scared as possible about this, uh, about this uh, virus that you won't get to take part in society if you don't get vaccinated. The prime minister has come out multiple times and said this, Justin Trudeau, piece of shit, right? CCP puppet cunt, right? They've all, he's come out and said this. So many people have come out and said this. And CBC did a report about how overwhelmed hospitals are because of the, uh, the surge in this virus and the surge in cases of the virus. Okay, so they took some footage of the hospital showing the hospital beds full blah 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 completely untrue completely untrue what have they been caught just uh yesterday or the day before what have they been caught doing cbc canadian broadcasting corporation they were putting mannequins in the hospital beds attaching all of the like the ventilators and the tubes and the fucking machines and bleep right all of these machines covering them up putting them in a hospital gown and filming them to represent full overwhelmed hospitals they were putting fucking mannequins in the bed they're trying to instill fear in people so that they can manifest control over people how disgusting is that they're putting mannequins in beds pretending like they're COVID patients who are severely ill and on the last legs of their lives, they're putting fucking mannequins in there to make you scared, to control the narrative, to control the population, to install new policies and procedures that remove liberties, remove freedoms. They're putting mannequins in the bed. And you tag that on to what happened in, um, was it Edmonton or Alberta? One of the head doctors over there is a woman by the name of, is it Deborah Hounds? Uh, no, it's, no, it's Dina Hinso or something like that. Hinshaw? Dina Hinshaw. I think that's it. Dina Hinshaw. So anyway. She's the head doctor in Alberta or Edmonton, one of these provinces, right? And she has just had to come out and apologize for saying that a teenager died of COVID when he didn't. She said, I'm really sorry. It's hard enough for a family to use to lose a loved one, especially a child without making it worse by attaching it to this disease. Yeah, no fucking shit, you scumbag. How could you lack any moral integrity to come out and denigrate a family's loss by saying, nah, you see, you see, another one dead of COVID. Using that to your own ends is absolutely scum of the earth tactics and in my opinion she should be immediately forced to resign or fired 
as a consequence of this, because you cannot do that. There are medical ethics in place for everybody in that community is what my understanding is that you don't make claims like that. That's unethical. You can't come out and say this guy, I mean, don't get me wrong. Everybody's been doing it this entire pandemic, right? I've said it before. Like you could get hit with a car last year and if you had COVID but got ran over by that car and that car killed you, it'd be a COVID death. You could have a fucking piano fall on your head, right? Or you could fall in a hole in the ground. And if you had COVID, you died because of COVID. That's what this woman's doing. She's continuing to do it. But now she's basically taking personal, uh, like individuals and making them the example when it's not even true. And this is my point, this hypocrisy, this corruption, this, this narrative that they try to tell us is just all for their own gain to control the population. So we are subservient, 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 what, uh, yeah, whatever. And they can subjugate us at a moment's notice. That's what they're trying to do. How can you in good conscience come out and say, this guy died of COVID, this kid died of COVID, when you know he he didn't? Is there anything more disingenuous? Is there anything more disturbing from a medical professional, from a lead medical professional, than an outright lie about the death of a family's child for your own gain for your own political gain for your own whatever motivations you have about lying about how kids are dying it makes me furious makes me angry and all of the things that we've talked about today all of these things they come down to the fact that what would y'all be better off doing is looking after ourselves and our loved ones that are close to us If we all do that, things get better because we're not being distracted by these outside influences and these these things that don't matter because if they were true, they may have some value. But you can effectively put all the things you see on TV from news, from media personalities, from talk show hosts and celebrities, you can put most of it down to being absolute bullshit and we'd all do a lot better if we switched them off so that's exactly what i'm going to do so you don't have to listen to me anymore i'm going to switch it off but i hope we've covered some bits here guys and i want to hear from you like let me know how we're doing on these things let me know how we're covering do you want me to go a little deeper on them do you like me kind of surface level skimming them and just giving you the opinions on it i'm going to do what i'm going to do anyways but it's always good to hear sort of your opinions and your thoughts on what we're doing with the show, because I just want you guys to enjoy it. I want you to engage. I want you to learn something or feel a certain way. I want it to be, you know, I want it to just kind of stimulate some emotions in you and some feelings in you. So if it does that, boop, two, two thumbs up. And sorry about my manky pen that I've been waving around. I don't know why. Um, it's just here because I'm, I'm, this is my home office as well. So um, anyways, that's a wrap. I hope and pray we've got audio all the way through this episode so I can actually publish a bloody episode this week. Um, But that's going to be a wrap for episode 149. Um, Again, just a 
quick reminder to uh, follow us, subscribe on YouTube, um, go get us on Twitter, on Facebook, on Spotify, on Apple, wherever you're, SoundCloud, wherever you're at listening to podcasts. We do the video and we do the audio. Um, and, you know, your uh, your engagement is is what makes it, you know, it, it all worthwhile. We want to keep growing the engagement. I want more viewers to to kind of come and check us out because I believe we've got a good show here. And I believe that uh, I think, you know, I, I truly believe that this is of value. So if you feel the same way, I'd love to hear from you. Um, I'd love if you could tell your friends um, and I'd love it if you could subscribe because yeah, we work in an algorithm based world. And uh, if nobody's pressing like, and nobody's sharing and nobody's commenting, then, you know, then it's all for, you know, it's all for nothing to an extent. I'm still going to do it because this is cathartic and like almost therapeutic to me. Um, but it'd be great if more people listened. So I want to keep growing and you guys can help me do that. And I appreciate you um, in advance for anything that you do in terms of telling other people or sharing it. So anyways, enough waffling. That's a wrap on episode 149. We will be back uh, maybe next week. Somebody's got a birthday, so I don't know uh, if I'll actually be able to record that. But if I can, I will. It'll be a little birthday episode. We'll see what happens that uh, with that. Maybe I'll get a little personal on you guys. Maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll have a reflective look back at my life. Who who knows? Maybe we'll do something like that. But uh, yeah, I hope you guys come back and check us out again. I hope you've enjoyed the show today, and uh, and I look forward to to bringing you another episode really really soon. Um, enjoy your weekends or enjoy the week ahead if uh, if I haven't cut this out before the weekend. Um, and that's a wrap. So until next time, guys, take care of yourselves. All the best.